Outdoor Adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. As a guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days in the field. This show is about translating my hard-won experiences into tips and tactics that will get you closer to your ultimate goal, success in the field. I'm Remy Warren. This is Cutting the Distance. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. This week, we're going to be talking about those strong and silent type of elk. Now, if you elk hunt enough, you're definitely going to run into this scenario. Maybe it's more often than not. You get into elk country and it's just crickets. The bulls are not firing off and they seem to be underground. The elk are there, you see sign, maybe even hear a few bugles at night. But what do you do? While this kind of activity is not what you're dreaming of, it's still definitely possible to call in an elk. Silent bulls are probably some of the hardest bulls to pinpoint, but can actually be some of the easier elk to trick. Just because the woods are quiet, it doesn't mean the elk won't be receptive to your calls or move to your location. Targeting and setting up for these hushed mouth animals can be a great option for your hunt. So this week, I'm going to cover all things about setup to calling silent elk, from the why they might be piped down to choosing a good calling location based on the time of day or where you are. But first, I want to share the story of a sneaky bull that walked softly and carried a big rack. This story takes place in the mountains of northern New Mexico. I thought it'd be a fairly fitting story because I'm actually on my way there here tomorrow uh, for a hunt of my own. But this particular week, I was guiding a hunter, and it was a little bit later in the season. It seemed to just be like super hot conditions, and one of the last hunts of the season for us there uh, before I headed back to Montana to pick up some guiding days up there. So we uh, were out, and the week before was actually pretty good, but it got really hot and it seemed like the animals just kind of shut down. The rutting activity was pretty minimal and it was just pretty tough to come by. Glassing was a little bit out of the option. 
Um, it just, it just wasn't conducive for long range glassing. Some of the areas we were hunting, it was like, I wouldn't say it was flat, it was mountainous, but it was like longer ridges surrounded by some open meadows and some other things. So I'm like, okay, well, we got to find some elk. Start out the week and and kind of just still hunting through some good areas and nothing is, I'm, I'm doing the calling. I'm, I'm letting out some location bugles, not really getting anything responsive. I think it was actually even a full moon as well. So it was just like a really bad cluster of uh, things for the week. It was just a slow week, you know, that happens. Uh, so, you know, we're doing a little bit of still hunting. Actually, one day we're, we're going through this like oak brush stuff and I stop. There's just this bear staring me down. And I recognized this bear before because it was the same bear that, oh, a couple weeks earlier, it actually tore my four-wheeler up. <laughs> so I was like, ooh, we need to get this bear. Uh, the hunter uh, fortunately had a bear tag. So I was like, okay, like I was walking ahead. I'm like, okay, there's a bear right here. And the bear went down and he's trying to get above the brush to see what we are. And uh, so he switched positions. He's maybe 20 yards, but there's just all this oak brush in the way. And unfortunately, the hunter couldn't get a shot. And, wind shifted bear ran off and and that was that so uh, throughout the week we'd seen a few cows like we'd we'd bumped into a couple elk still hunting but just no shots so it was toward the end of the hunt last day of the hunt and there'd been this particular meadow that had been following and looking and the day before i was checking it out and i'm like man there's just fresh sign in here the elk are definitely using this so for the next uh couple days whatever we had left i was like i kept seeing fresh sign i kept smelling the elk there i'm like i know the elk are here they're using this we need to set up and we're going to kind of focus in on this area so what i did was, it was a pretty long meadow i mean say maybe like over a thousand feet you know, like it, it open, it'd be small, like there'd be some openings. And then, so you just never knew where they were going to pop out. But what I was doing was kind of traveling the edge and then seeing like, okay, signs here, signs here, the elk are definitely coming out. We just, it's too big to cover the whole thing and we need the elk to come to our location. So my decision was we're going to set up and we're going to call. I, was, I told the owner, I was like, look, this bull will come in at some point, but I just don't think he's going to make noise. So we need to get the wind good. We need to kind of be patient. We need to do a good setup and hopefully we'll find some success. So we'd set up in the morning, a couple different spots and uh, doing some calling sequences. And what I was doing, just like broadcasting out some cow calls, doing a couple little bugles into the timber, like, okay, we're a group of cows and now uh, bulls come in, maybe got a little fired up and now moving off into the timber did that a little bit and then moved, kept kind of throughout the day, moving down and picking different spots. Now it was evening time and I figured, all right, I'm going to kind of go out. There's a little patch of trees out in the middle. I'm going to leave the hunter where I'm at, where we were, were like, okay, we're going to go here. I'm going to call in there and then I'm going to move to our location just in case like the wind was blowing across the meadow in our face. But, um, I was hoping that maybe the elk were down in the timber on the other side. So I, I called in the timber, backed up, called from the patch, you know, maybe probably 15 minutes in between and then went and we kind of got set up in a spot, made a little hide and we're like, all right, we're going to sit here. So doing some calling, just letting out a few cow calls and just being patient. It's like, if the bull is going to come in, he's not going to make a noise and he's probably going to try to circle us, try to get the wind right. So we're going to be looking every direction and just keep calling. So we're sitting there, not moving, I'm calling, ew, ew, ew. you know, setting my watch timers because I get a little impatient, just making sure I don't overcall. Um, 
threw out a couple bugles, but nothing crazy, just pretty soft. Like I was trying to match the, what was going on in the woods, which is not a lot of action. So calling and sitting there and I'm looking around, I'm thinking, man, you know, the, the wind's good, but a bull, like if they're behind us, it's going to be a bummer. Like if they're coming in from this side, I didn't know which side they're, uh, they're coming in from. So I was hoping, hoping obviously like you catch them in the meadow, calm to your, your position. So calling and I look over and I just see like, I had, we had all this brush around us just kind of conceal us. And I see out of the corner of my eye, just like something moving. And I'm thinking, God, that's really close to not hear an elk. And I look and I'm like, then my eyes focus and I realize that is a tine of an antler coming through there. So like, I don't call I'm like, okay, I do not want this bull to now hook up wind. Like he's, he's off to our left. Maybe I don't even know pretty dang close, but it's really thick off to the left. So the bull slowly, like he walks out and hits the opening and then starts walking downhill. I'm like, just waiting, waiting, waiting. And I can barely see him in there, but I can see he's got a, a really good rack on him. Like he's a big six by six. I'm like, okay, sweet. And then the bull, like, kind of like you can see him nosing into the field, like getting the wind. And he's like, kind of like nosing up pretty much toward the other side. So he starts getting into the opening. And now it's like, okay, the bull was here. He heard the calls. Now he's just looking for the elk. Somehow he didn't wind us. He must've come in from below us, maybe like done a little jot just, 15 yards away. And I mean, we couldn't even hear this elk that close away. Didn't it's like, I don't know how that it was pretty thick too. Like he had a big rack and he was just the sneakiest bull I'd ever seen. Didn't even break a stick that we could tell until I caught a little bit of his antler in the brush. So he walks out into the opening. I gave it a few cow calls and just, I'm like, I'm going to slow play this bull. And he, he kind of like, I'm like, okay, he's super cautious. And, uh, he starts walking our way sweet okay and just wait and now he's looking around he goes to the trees in the middle and i'm like okay and and then he walks off the other direction i'm like no that didn't work like we just missed our opportunity or we didn't really have an opportunity with that so so I just stayed patient kept timing like okay i'm just gonna keep doing the same thing so he got a little bit later in the evening we had I'm looking at my watch being like, okay, do we just go after him? But I'm like, man, we don't know. He wasn't fired up. Like we'd just be walking in there blind. And we've got about 30 minutes left of the last, last day. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to keep with the plan. Like he liked it. He didn't wind us that I know of. We just got to keep with it. So I call, we're just like sitting there, call, call. And then all of a sudden across the meadow, I see a rack facing us. And I'm like, here it is head down bull just starts coming straight in like on a string I call him right into range he I, I stopped calling and he's looking around like definitely trying to peer into the trees for us turn sideways hunter shoots bull down called in a, a really good big mature bull that never made a single peep When you talk about calling silent bulls, you might have heard that term like, oh, he came in silent or these bulls are just quiet. They're coming in silent. Well, it obviously means the bulls aren't making any sound. They aren't calling back. They aren't responding to your calls. They're, they're 
doing elk things without making elk noises. And I think that understanding why they might be silent is just as important in understanding, like understanding that behavior so you know how to pick your setup. Because when it comes to calling in silent bulls regularly, you can get lucky, but you can also set up in a way that really increases your odds or chances of finding an elk and intersecting an elk and getting that elk to come in. There's many times where I, I'll be out hunting, whether it's myself or with a client, and I'm like, okay, we're going to call in a silent elk here. And they're like, how do you know we're going to call in an elk that's not going to make a noise? And it's like, well, because everything's right. I understand what's going on and why they're being quiet and what they're doing this time of year. And I just know that these elk right now are not going to make a noise because you got to understand why they're being silent. So generally a silent bull that comes in, there's, there's two kinds here. So the first one would be a lone bull or a bull that might be around a herd but is not the dominant bull. Like, uh, not necessarily saying it's a raghorn, but it's not the herd bull. So the first part is going to be one of the probably most instances when you call in in a a bull that comes in silent. And it's probably going to be many different factors. You've got one reason, and I would say this is probably the most common reason, is it's early in the rut or even late in the rut. What's going on is the bulls are not necessarily with the cows. What they're doing is they're, it's the same as like deer do pre-rut. They're checking on groups of cows, but that bull might kind of be a little timid of like, I don't want to expend all my energy fighting. I just want to see what's going on here. It's more of a curiosity thing. It's a lone bull. He's cruising and trying to figure out where are the cows at? Where am I going to expend my energy? What's my competition look like? I'm just going to go in. I'm going to check things out. If it's an easy take, hey, man, I might sniff around. Maybe there's a cow that's going to come into heat, but I don't have to fight for it. I don't have to do anything. But I also don't want to give my location away because I found the cool spot where all the ladies are hanging out, and I don't want to tell everyone else I know where it is. If I think I know, like the in the bull's mind, if I think I know where the girls are and I don't have to work for it, I'm just going to go in there, see if I can get in the friend zone, check things out. And that's what the bulls are doing. It's they're coming in quiet because they are just trying to check things out. They aren't necessarily fired up enough to want to rut. And that can happen because it's either early, they aren't rutting, or maybe you've run into some hot weather and that hot weather kind of has that cycle of the cows broken down. Like they aren't in full chase mode yet. So during daylight hours, they're just kind of feeling things out. And that's one of the main reasons that elk might come in silent. So it's going to either be a bull by itself. And then the other one would be like an insecure bull. So maybe it's a bull that's, um, it could be a, a really big bull, but maybe it's a bull that has been beat up recently, like kicked out from the herd bull position last year. Uh, one of the largest bulls I've, I've had the opportunity to chase in a general unit was the herd bull. Another bull came in, which wasn't as big as him, beat him up. And that big bull just walked off on his own. You know, he wasn't looking for a fight anymore. He'd just been beat. Tomorrow, he probably would have taken the herd back, but that's just something that that bulls do. So sometimes an insecure bull or bull that's just been beat might be uh, a good candidate for coming in quiet. Like, I just expended all my energy, but hey, there's some free cows over here. I'm a pretty dominant bull. I'll go round them up. Or maybe there's a herd bull that's really aggressive running other bulls off and you can get yourself in a calling scenario where the other elk around are going to come check out the action and they might not be making a noise. They're probably going to be younger bulls, maybe more like raghorns, but they'll move in and, and kind of slip into your calling scenario without making a sound.
O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land. Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth when it comes to understanding where to set up for calling in a silent bull the setup is the key so we're going to think about the time of year that we're hunting and why elk might not be making noise first so if you're out in the field let's say you're out this the first week of the season, second week of the season, maybe it's a warm weather still. Maybe it's, it's smoky. You know, these are probably things that a lot of people are going to run into. Maybe, you know, they just aren't seeming fired up. Like you're seeing sign. So the key is you need to know that there's elk there. So you, you've got to be seeing sign. Maybe you're hearing a few bugles at night, like not all out crazy rut action at night, but there's bulls and cows in the area. It's just once it cools down in the evening, that's when they decide to kind of fire off. It's like after shooting hours or before shooting hours, um, you know that they're kind of in the area. Uh, maybe you're hiking around, you smell like, okay, there's been elk here. There, You can smell where they've wallowed. Um, you can smell where they've been bedding. You see fresh sign in a meadow figuring out where that there's actually elk around is the first step because you can call 
to Silent Elk that are there, or you could call to Silent Woods that don't have elk. You really need to be able to first decipher, are the elk where I'm at? And that's obviously the key and sounds like, yeah, no brainer, but there's a lot of people that are like, the elk weren't making any noise, but they can't really decipher whether the elk weren't making noise or there just weren't elk where they are. So you need to make sure that there are elk where you are. And that's by moving around, covering country, finding sign, and possibly even hearing them at night. That's, uh, that's step one. So once we understand, okay, there are elk in this location, there are elk around. Now I just got to figure out how I'm going to set up for these calling scenarios. So when I'm calling to silent bulls, what I do is I first kind of like, I get into position and I, and I play this patience game where I get into the places where I believe elk will be moving to or near. And then I set up and I start broadcasting calls. And what I like to do is I like to kind of match the tempo of what's going on out there. So if it's not really like you aren't hearing much, you aren't hearing anything, you probably aren't going to want to make like a big, like uh, last year I did a, a podcast cow party where it's just like, everything's going off. The party's over here. Calling to these silent elk is going to be a little bit different. What you're doing is you're just saying like, we're elk over here. It's like this mellow tone. It's like, we're just here. We're doing our thing. We aren't super interested in anything else going on, but what it's going to do is going to pique the curiosity of that bull to kind of come in and check things out. So what we're going to be doing is like setting up and doing a few calls, a few cow calls, mew, 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 and then waiting. So it's kind of like, it's a little bit like, stand hunting, still hunting, but you're kind of using this roving tactic of selecting your spots where you're calling based on the time of day and where you're seeing this sign. So let's get into picking up, picking the setup and locations. So during different times of day, I actually go and I do my call stands. Like think about it like predator calling coyotes, where you go and you make a stand, you wait a little while, nothing happens, then you move to another location. A few of the places that I like to make silent elk call stands are places that elk are going to frequent those times. So uh, one of the places that I like to pick is near a wallow. Um, they might not be wallowing a lot if the rut's not full on, but they might be using those areas to get water. Uh, those can probably be used any time of day. Mornings and evenings seem to be um, pretty good unless it's near a bedding area than middle of the day. Uh, near a wallow can be good because what happens is the cows will actually if there's not a lot of water in a lot of places, if it's like narrowing down the places, you can kind of sit near the wall and maybe catch an elk that's going to drink, but you can also throw out those calls and maybe catch the ears of elk that are going to go to a wallow 150 yards away that you can't see that's in the timber. So I've had a lot of luck calling in bulls silent near wallows or other areas where it's like, okay, and smell them. They're in here. They're using this, but it might be a way to draw them to your location a little bit sooner rather than later. And the second one is... In a hunt, let's say I start the hunt out. I'm going to start in the morning. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my calling sequences and series near where I expect elk to be in the mornings. And then I'm going to move throughout the day. So in the morning, I'm going to expect elk to be feeding, especially if they aren't being super active. They're going to be probably before daylight feeding in open areas if there's open areas nearby. So if there's a small meadow, if there's a good grassy ridge, if there's something like that, that's probably where the elk are going to be focused in in the morning. Or maybe they'll be down in the bottom 
near some water and some grass, but in a feeding area. So the first place I'm going to target in the morning is going to be these feeding areas, especially if I find sign like on the edge of a meadow or something like that. So mornings I'm going to be targeting near feeding area, just off in the timber or just, you know, where it's like they can look across the meadow, but they kind of have to come in and explore a little bit closer. It's to catch those bulls that maybe are out um, looking for cows cruising. What they're going to be doing is those bulls are doing the same thing we're doing. They're, they're hitting the high air, high percentage areas for running into cow elk that we would think of high percentage areas running into any elk. So they're doing the same thing we are. They're looking for cows. We're going to be the cows that that bull is going to find, especially lone bull. If action's not crazy, they might be out feeding or whatever. And then in the morning, we want them to hear those cow sounds and think, hmm, instead of going over that way to bed, I'm going to go over and check out what's happening over here. So now as the day progresses, you're going to think, well, what are the elk doing? Well, they're probably moving to bedding. So as the day progresses, I move from that feeding area and doing my like call stands to moving to toward those bedding areas. So I'm going to head toward a good timbered ridge. Um, and what I like to do is when I move into a bedding area for the day, I like to approach it from the top down. Generally, you're going to be getting those thermals because if they're being quiet, it's probably hot. And those thermals are probably going to be going up the mountain. So what I like to do is I like to start at the top of these ridges. I'll, I'll hike around, I'll get to the top and then I'll work my way down and start, you know, like make a stand call because what I want is to be calling to elk below me and have them come up and investigate as opposed to being below them walking up the mountain, having my wind blow up the mountain and calling to those animals that might be bedded on those little benches and dips in the ridge. So I'm be starting at the top, working my way down, doing my call stands and hoping to call in a bull below me that's either bedded or moving to bedding that might come check out the cows. And this is where, you know, I'll slow play it. I'll, I'll use the day to kind of move and pick new spots and, and just try to be patient. And then it'll go back to the evening again when um, I'll move back to that feeding area and do the same thing setting up in that feeding area. And then during the middle of the day, mornings or evening, sometimes if you've got a good wallow, it's a good strategy and time to like, you can kind of simultaneously hunt the wallow, sit and hunt the wallow, stand, hunt the wallow, and throw out some of these calls because most of the time those elk will be coming in silent. Now, another setup or location that I like to pick is... Uh, one where I consider it like a doubling up where I can double up on glassing and calling. So in the morning, if I can find a knob that's near maybe some food source, but I also have a good view, it's a lot better for me to kind of use, utilize my time where if I'm just sitting there calling to silent elk, I feel like I'm not really doing anything. Like it's like, man, maybe they aren't right here right now. But if I've got a place where I can be calling to a bull and also glassing a large area, those are ideal. Um, there's a few places that I hunt where it's like, okay, I, I'm, I'm walking around, I'm looking for animals. I might see sign, but I also want to glass this area in the mornings and the evenings, like feeding areas out in the open where they might be. Maybe it's a burn, maybe it's a clear cut, maybe it's a whatever it is, but also from where I'm glassing from, I can kind of utilize that time to maybe see if there's any bulls near me that might get drawn in quiet because it's a good way to utilize that time and not get bored and frustrated, frustrated and move on too soon where I can be glassing something far away, but set up and calling where I am at that time. There's been so many times where I've been uh, doing this where I'm like, okay, I'm going to glass and, and try to pick out a bull and I'm, I'm spotting or whatever, but I'm also, while I'm doing that, throwing out 
calls and then, you know, every periodically looking around, I've had many elk come into my setup and location where it's like, okay, the hunt's on now right here where I am while I'm glassing. So doubling up on something like that's great. I've even done that near like a water source where it's like, okay, I found this spring off the, the side of the mountain. I'll be sitting there. I'll glass from that spring. I'll throw out those calls. So I'm kind of capitalizing on kind of intersecting elk in as many places at once as possible. So I've got the spring for maybe an elk that's coming into water. I'm throwing out some calls to try to draw in a silent bull that's not planning on going in water. And then I'm glassing uh, some stuff off in the distance while I'm doing all this. So um, now when you do set up, you do want to definitely pay attention because like I said, that, that story of that bull coming in quiet. There's so many times where I'm calling to a silent bull. And when you see them, when they're like there, it's ready, it's go time. While I'm set up, when I'm calling like this, I'm ready. I've got my arrow ready. I've got my bow in a position that I can grab it and don't have to make a lot of movements. And I'm just kind of sitting still, looking around. I'll even use my binoculars to scan through the trees to try to pick things up sooner and really just paying attention. Um, it becomes a kind of a form of ambush hunting like you would like whitetail hunters do, but it, it's more active. It's more roaming. I don't really set up in my call locations for too long unless I really feel like, okay, there's an elk or maybe it's like uh, I'm calling to elk that I believe are bedded below me and I'm just waiting for that bull to kind of get up for the day and, and come and investigate. Um, but for the most part, being successful calling in silent elk is really all about the setup and picking the right locations to do these calls from, then paying attention and being ready when they do come in. The first step to calling a silent bull is going to be understanding why they're quiet and picking a good calling location. And it's also going to be a thing of moving to the right locations at the right time of day. But the next step is going to be what calls you make, how often you call, and then when you should move. So next week, we're going to cover all the actual calling aspects of calling in a silent bull. Uh, so make sure you bring your calls, get your calls ready, warm up those reeds, warm up those diaphragm calls, whatever, bust out the hoochie mama. I don't care because we're going to be ready to call in and, and make noise to those silent elk. So I'm going to give you all the things that I do, and that's going to be next week. Remember, you can always reach out to me at Remy Warren on social media, on Instagram, uh, pretty much all social channels, YouTube, whatever. Feel free to reach out. I love hearing you guys' success stories. Hopefully, I've, I mean, I've already got a few. So hopefully we'll get some more in, guys that have found some elk, use some of these tactics. I love hearing when you've used a tactic and it's been successful, send me a picture. Or even maybe it wasn't su successful, but you had a great encounter. Um, I love hearing from you guys about that kind of stuff. So check all that stuff out next week. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. In between when you hear this and the next podcast, I'm hoping that I will have arrowed a bull elk myself so well i will uh keep you guys posted but until then let's uh let's talk softly let's whisper an elk in all right good luck guys Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com.
Com to learn more. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins.